Hello and welcome to another edition of the Behind the Mast podcast, the show which introduces you to the person behind the athlete, all in association with Empower Sports Management. I'm your host, Andy Moon, and alongside me, as ever, is Mark Kelly from ESM. And our guest today is the current Doncaster midfielder, Ben Close. Ben, thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, Andy. Good to see you, mate. Ben, I'm going to start. Let's, let's go back to the start. What are, your, what are your early memories of playing football as a kid? Wow, yeah. Uh, long time ago. I haven't really thought about that um, too recently. Um, first memories. Um, I can remember playing Sunday League football just before I signed uh, for Portsmouth. So I signed for Pompey at about 12 years old. Um, so I can remember summer tournaments playing for uh, Wimbledon Park Tigers. Uh, my dad was a coach. Um, and I can remember even even before that being too young for for actually getting in a team. He was a coach at the same club um, of a different age group. So um, yeah, probably my first memories are just going along to to their games, um, watching on the side, and 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 just trying to join in as much as possible with training. Um, and uh, yeah, that's probably as early as I can go back. That's probably five or six years of age. Did you did you love it from the start? Did you did you grow to love it? How how did your relationship develop with football? I think I loved it from the start. I can't remember you know, too clearly about that, but yeah, um, pretty sure I, was just, I just wanted to, to be kicking a ball all day long, whether that was a, a toy car or a tennis ball at school, in the school playground, um, or you know, proper football um, at the park with my friends after school. When did you realise that you, you were fairly good, probably compared to your, your, your kind of mates in the school class? Um, I think, yeah, I think I thought I was pretty good compared to friends and uh, people in school and, and other players at Sunday league level. Did I really think I was good enough to be at Pompey Academy? Probably not. Um, that confidence didn't come until many years later. Um, so the first, yeah, first four or five years at, at Portsmouth was, um, was me trying to hang on really and, and keep up with the rest. And I never once thought um, I'm better than all these players and I'm going to be the one that's going to get a, a professional contract in, in the years to come. Um, but that thankfully developed a little bit later. How tough is it as a teenager when you're growing, your body's changing, life's changing, but when your, your attitude is right, I'm clinging on here. I, yeah, I've got to do everything I can just to, just to stay in, in the squad. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, it was a bit of the opposite for me. I was waiting for my body to change. I was waiting to get some speed and get some strength. Um, I was physically always um, at the back of the group in terms of pace and, and strength. So that was something I had to work hard on. Um, and there were, there were you know, definitely times through those years where I thought this might not be for me. You know, um, went through times of, of not quite enjoying it as I thought I should have enjoyed it, you know, being in, in, in the academy. Um, but those moments didn't last long, you know, that lasts for like a, a weekend if you have a bad game or uh, a few days in a week if you don't train well. Um, but yeah, few and far between, but um, certainly some, some tough days back then, yeah. You're obviously a very technical midfielder. Did you always have to be technical because if you didn't have the, the kind of physical attributes that, you know, we've all seen massive 13-year-old kids dominate football and, and rugby matches just because they're so much bigger than everyone. Do, is, is, has your other player developed because of that, that late growth? 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that's um, that's part of the reason why I think that's that's the case with a lot of players. I think um, a lot of a lot of the time you see someone technically really good and and um, maybe they're, they're short of the physical side of the game. And if you've got both, then you're probably playing Premier League and Championship football. So, um, yeah, for me, I, I think that's probably definitely part of the reason why I turned into a, a more technical player. I think if if that side of me didn't progress as it should have, then I would have um, never have made it um, to the player I am today. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a, a considering factor, yeah. When you get to 15, 16, are you fully focused right I want to be an apprentice, I want to be a footballer. Are you thinking of other options? Um, no, I wasn't at 15, 16, no. Um, I, as much as coaches like Kells and, and, and all of them tried to tell you about plan B, um, it didn't really cross my mind. Um, especially when I was under 16, I felt like I was so desperate for a, for a scholarship. Um, that, that was all I had in my mind. I, I, I couldn't see... Uh, a life where I didn't have a scholarship. Does that build a lot of pressure on you, though, at that at that age? Is that you know must sort of dominate your your, your waking thoughts almost? No, for me, I don't think it did. I, I think my best footballer in those years were um, that under sixteen age group where you're playing for a scholarship, and then the under eighteen age group where you're playing for a professional contract. Um, for me, I didn't feel pressure during those years. I just, uh, yeah. I sort of thrived in them. I thought, um, what a great opportunity to to go and get what I, what I've dreamt of since I was a kid. And yeah, that those two years under sixteens, not so much under seventeens, but under eighteens again, really kicked on. What's it like in that sixteen to eighteen? Because everyone must be wanting those professional contracts, but you you know only a handful of you are realistically gonna gonna get them. Yeah, um, thankfully for me, I had pretty consistent seasons. I remember it quite well going into the meetings where we were going to find out if, if we got the, the yes or no. I was pretty quietly confident that I was going to be getting a scholarship and then two years later, a professional contract. Um, and, th- you know, think about it, that's really funny because I went into several meetings at under 11s, 12s, 13s, thinking I'm, I'm going to be released today. This is, this is probably the last time I'll be here. Um, so to be able to be lucky enough to progress and develop the way I did to then have confidence that I was going to get a scholarship and then a pro deal um, was pretty amazing, really. You're a Pompey lad. What, what does it feel like when they offer you a professional deal? You know, that, that hard work is paid off. Oh, it was, um, it was amazing. And yeah, I can still remember the day it happened. Um, I remember going into, into the office and, and speaking to um, Paul Hardiman and, and Andy Orford. Um, they were the two coaches at the time of the 18s and like I said I was quite confident it was going to be good news but you, you've always got that that small doubt um, so when they revealed the news I was ecstatic I was over the moon um, and from memory I think me and my family just went straight out for dinner and um, I just celebrated it yeah I guess your parents must always have been a, a kind of key part of any any developing player like that Massively. Um, I think the biggest um, evidence of that is seeing really good players at sort of 12, 13, 14 years of age not quite make it. That can obviously happen for for many different reasons. Um, sometimes players uh, sort of lose focus and get distracted by other things that, that normal teenagers do. 
um, for me, I had so much support and so much guidance that um, thankfully I was kept on on the right path. And you know, football was always number one. And yeah, the amount of sacrifices my mum um, and dad have made over the years to take me to every single training session, every single game, watch every single game, um, and I think that's had a, a massive impact on on my career. I think it was just you and Bradley Tarbuck that got pro deals. Maybe um, is there anyone else I'm missing? But it wasn't it wasn't a big intake from from that uh, time. One of them plays in the championship right now that you're missing. Jack Watmore. Yeah, yeah. So Jack was our age, but I think he did get an early pro. I think um, played a lot of football. Actually, he was he went with the first team that year because he was captain, um, and then I was captain for quite a lot of the games because he was he wasn't he wasn't there for us. He was with the with the first team. So Andy Orford had been your academy manager. You get that pro deal, and then you step up to the first team, and yeah. he's the first team manager at yeah. that point. What what what's that like? That was a, for me a really good transition. Really, it was it was comfortable. It was close to home. Um, and yeah, he had Paul Hardman obviously with him and, and Alan McLaughlin. So for me, it was like, um, yeah, I felt really comfortable. I didn't play a huge amount of first team football, but played a lot of reserve games that year with Macca. Um, and yeah, in, in terms of development goes, had a, had a decent year, had a, a little taste of first team football, uh, plenty of reserve football. And just to get that experience of training every day with um, you know, men and, and first team players was, was massive for me. What was the atmosphere like in that as that season went on, though? Because let's be honest, that was a team that at the start was aiming to win promotion and it had Pompey's lowest ever finish. And it just felt, as someone who was observing from the outside, it felt like this optimism of August and September kind of slowly ebbed away as the season went along. Yeah, I don't really remember it as well as, as uh, you know, fans and um, journalists might, but I think I was still um, in awe of, of being around the first team and, and sometimes putting on a shirt and playing for Portsmouth first team. So for me, it was more about me at that stage rather than how the team were doing. Um, I think also went alone that year to Paul Town. Um, so that takes you out of it a bit. I was still training every day with, with, with Pompey, but um, yeah, my focus was, was on myself and, and doing the, the most I could to, to, to eventually, you know, become a first team regular in, you know, however long that took. Were you loving life at that point? Yeah, I mean, it's funny thing. I don't really get the time to think back to those days, but um, yeah, just I remember, I remember loving training with the first team. I remember trying to train well every 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 day and just loving um, getting complimented off off first team players as well. That was massive. Man, I really enjoyed um, getting praise off off players that I looked up to. And then Paul Cook came in, and that next season, you actually had quite a lot of league action that, that following season, Cook's first year. Yeah, that was a big change. That wasn't like close to home or comfortable. That was um, where he really sort of grew as a young lad. Um, he brought in and there were some big characters in that season. Yeah, yeah that was a, a, a dressing room full of big characters. And um, I think overall, that's, that's only helped me develop as a player and a person. Um, but yeah, for a young lad who you know, wasn't the the most confident or out there. So that was um, a real learning year. And um, for my development, like I said, as a player and a, and a person, that was great. Um, I remember one of Paul Cook's first sessions, we trained at Mad Batten Centre on, on the 3G and uh, 
I think it was Michael Doyle's first session and <laughs> yeah, he, he came in and uh, was just like, he was just on it. He was, he wanted to win every session, every possession drill, every passing drill. He wanted to be the best player at. Um, and I remember a few of us young lads sort of having a little look at each other when we went for a drinks break, thinking what the hell is has come to do here? Like we're, it was all going so nice, and then yeah, bang! One or two mistakes in the in the possession, and and Michael Doyle let you let you know about it. So, um, yeah, again, that, that it went really well for me. Like I said, I played quite a lot of games, and and yeah, just being around players like um, Doyle, uh, Kyle Bennett, Gary Roberts, um, yeah, being being around those sorts of characters every day was um, was a real experience and a, and a really positive one. Obviously, one of the things with ESM is you know, the, the idea of empowering players that they'll always be thinking about what they do next. I'm guessing when we come to sort of 2016, you're probably just fully, fully in tunnel vision on football. You're, you're not thinking about a life outside football at that point. No, no, I'll be honest. At that time, I was thinking, don't give it away if Michael Doyle was on my team. I was, I was hoping I wouldn't be in Michael, Michael Doyle's team because of, of, the, um, of the pressure that brought. Um, yeah, that my full focus was on football that year. Um, and I got a good taste of, of League Two football. Um, went out on loan again into the National, National League, which again really helped my development. Um, uh, yeah, looking back over, it was uh, a really important year for me in, in terms of uh, learning and growing. And then 2016 17, you, you didn't get as much first team action as the, as the pressure was kind of really ramping up on promotion. You ended up uh, Eastly for the second half of that second Paul Cook season. Yeah, I got that wrong. Yeah, I said I said that was the previous year, but national, okay, I went to Eastley in Paul Cook's second year. Yeah, um, I struggled a bit physically, and 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 the, the transition between kids football and men's football was still happening. That took a couple of years for me. Um, so I had a few little injuries that year. Never really got a place in the team. I think I played a few cup games, but that was it. Um, but again, just to be around those characters and, and, and train with them every day, improve me as a player. Um, and then had that men's experience of, of Eastleigh um, late on in the season. And obviously that's the year we got, Pompey got promoted. And the only sort of um, negative around my time at Pompey was not having you know, a part to play in that because I didn't play a league game that year. I was obviously incredibly happy that the team got promoted, but just, it would have been nicer to um, to be a part of that and, and play some games. Did you get a medal or any memento? Didn't get a medal, no. And uh, even worse, at the <laughs> at the um, par- at the parade at the um, on the on the common, um, <laughs> all the players were, were backstage and they were get they were getting brought on stage one by one, and uh, they were, we were going in number order. And I was number thirty three. Brandon was Brandon Hunshot was number thirty eight. I think it got to, I can't remember, let's say Jack was a high number. I think Jack won what, let's say he was 30 as a, just an example. Said him, then said Brandon, then said, and next one said Brandon Hunchett. And I thought, hang on, I've, I've been forgotten here. And I think it was, I think it was um, Tony on the, on the mic. Yeah, it was, yeah. And he, yeah, he forgot me. So I was just stood, stood at the backstage um, thinking, wow, this is just not, not what I expected. But I think, <laughs> I think word got onto Tony and he, eventually called me on but yeah it was uh, it just wasn't my time um to be in the team and be a, a, an important part of a, of a successful team but 
learned a lot from it and um, was yeah was so happy for, for everyone that the club got promoted. I won't name and shame the player, but I remember the players arriving and a certain individual having to have a bottle of spirits removed from him before he went up on the uh, stage. It was a lot of celebrating. But I actually remember chatting to you at that end-of-season dinner after that year, and you were hopeful you were going to be retained, but you weren't. it wasn't guaranteed that, that Pompey were going to keep you on at that point in 2017. No, not at all. And I've got, I've got to thank Paul Crook and uh, anyone else making that decision at the end of that season. Um I remember the meeting with him and uh, yeah, having that contract renewal, um, and yeah, yeah, that could have easily been uh, a no. So you know, goodness knows where my career would have gone after that. Um, but thankfully, I was able to yeah be offered a new contract and um, and had yeah plenty of, of good memories in the next few years after that. Yeah, because Kenny Jackett came in, obviously a very different manager in terms of personality to Paul Cook, but really that's when you kind of started started thriving. And again, what was a slightly strange time because the team had got promoted, but a, a lot of the players that got promoted had, had departed at that point. Yeah, I think there was, um, it was uneasy. There was an uneasy feeling because the, 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 the players that brought success were sort of slowly on their way out, it, you know, I think a few left at the end of the season, but then the rest start to slowly filter out. Um, and that's not easy because, you know, you've got a lot of respect for those players and they've they've done great things for the club. But for me at that point, I saw an opportunity to play. I think we start the season with uh, me, Adam May, Danny Rose. I can't really remember. Oh, Carl Baker ended up playing in the centre of midfield at, at one point before he left. Yeah. yeah. So there was an opportunity, I thought, for me to, to definitely play some games and um, didn't didn't play in pre-season really. I was, wasn't was seen as um, a regular in pre-season and the same sort of pattern for the first five, six, seven games. Um, eventually got my chance and, and then, yeah, played a lot of games, played pretty much every every game that season after that. And I think you got a new contract in December, which when you've only signed one recently and another one comes forward, that that must be a good feeling as a as a player. Yeah, that was incredible. That was uh, I had a couple of years like that where I seemed to you know keep signing new contracts and was just seemed to be playing every week, and that's where I really felt like a an established first team player. Um, and obviously, really grateful to to Kenny and Joe for giving me the amount of games they did. Um, and we were we were so close to success a few years later, and it was um, yeah, real a real disappointment that that we couldn't get over the line. But for me to rack up, you know, I think it was well over 150 games for Kenny was was, was brilliant for me. And the goals started flowing as well. You found your you found your shooting boots from somewhere. Yeah, that took a while. I mean, it's it's, it's funny. I scored a lot of goals um, in the youth team. I scored quite a few in the reserves. Um, and it took me, I think it took me between 40 and 50 games to, to actually score my first for, for the first team. So, um, yeah, that was nice when that finally came. And um, and then the, for the next two or three seasons, I, I scored a fair few. And, uh, um, yeah, I need to get back to that. You talked about the new contracts. Normally when new contracts come, it means a bit more money. Now, obviously, we're not talking mega bucks. What's it like as a person when your bank balance starts moving nice and healthily in, in, in the right division and, and earning what is a, a pretty decent sum for someone of, of, of that age. Yeah, I, I remember for a lot of those early years, um, I had in my contracts like incentives. So the more the more starts you made, the, the, the better your contract would, would be. So 
that was um, that was helpful. That was part of it. You know, every time I, I saw my name in the team sheet, I was I was edging closer to to, to better contracts. Um, and yeah, that that extra money was 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 great. I was living at home, so I was able to save, and and a, and a few years later, I was able to to move out. You weren't someone to go and buy, make some flashy flashy purchases. No, I wasn't too bad. I was I was okay. I had good um, good support to, to make sure I didn't fall into that trap. Closely, just on a quick one. Um, the importance of you know, listen. I went through that process with you. I was around you when you were a little baby, and uh, you know that was when I was academy manager through the Premier League days, and that, that's when it started really. But and then you transition with Orse and Harvey. What, what, at what point do you think you really kind of started to establish yourself? So if you're giving it a time scale, about 21, 22, would you say? And did you feel like you were just surviving to be around it at that point to get to that point? Yeah, I suppose um, those first few years as a pro, you know, with one with Orfs and two with Paul Cook, again, I felt like I was how I felt when I was sort of 12, 13, I was just sort of hanging on and, and hoping just to get another contract. Um, and then I, I'd say I started to thrive um, in, Kenny's, in Kenny's first year after maybe 10, 15 games in the, in the team. I felt my performances improve and I felt my confidence starting to, to improve. I was um, doing more on the pitch. I was getting closer to goal. I was having shots. And um, yeah, that's when I started to feel like a, an important player in that team. And then going on from there, the following season, um, not the first half of the season, but the second half, I played pretty much every game of that second half of that year and scored a lot of goals. And yeah, those that spell between between Kenny's first year and his third year, I played a lot of games. Felt like a, a really important part of the side, um, and and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, going back to to well. What was that? Yeah, 11, 12. I found a, I found a picture the other day, Kels, of, um, I think it was when I signed as a kid. And right. it was like 11, yeah, 11 or 12. I had a, a big shirt, big shirt with big collars. And, and the picture was with you, um, like leaning over. And I was obviously signing with a pen. And yeah, just just finally to look back on things like that. It just popped up on the phone. Um, was my shirt. Did I have a big collar on as well? I, I think you had a baggy jumper on, I think. <laughs> um, but I sent that to you. I'll have to get that across. It's brilliant. Great stuff. You mentioned the, the near misses, and I guess everyone has to think back to the 2019, particularly you think of not so much the playoffs, but the, the Peterborough game at home, the, the Viv Solomon Ottobor offside gut, and just still now Pompey fans are thinking, yeah, the club's really in the same position. People are thinking, if only, do you ever sometimes look back on those moments? Yeah, um, I talk about that game quite a lot. I think, you know, Whenever so I signed for Doncaster obviously a year and a half ago and getting to know the lads and speaking to the lads, you talk about previous teams you've played with and players you've played with, and that game always pops up. And I'm always telling people that that story and it still hurts. Um because I think we win that game, we we beat Aki on, on the weekend and, and we go Definitely. up. Definitely. Um so that was incredibly tough to take. And uh yeah, you have setbacks like that in football and um We've always got to bounce back from it. I'm sure. I'm sure Pompey will, will get there in the end, and um, I'd like to think I've got plenty of success left in my career. How did it feel when it, you came towards the end of your, your time at Portsmouth? Did, did did you sort of know towards the end of that season that that, that it was probably going to come to an end? How were you thinking that final year? 
Yeah, it was a strange year. Uh, didn't play much football at all for the first two thirds of the season. Um, <clears throat> and my contract was, no, I had an option in my contract, but I was thinking, you know, my time at the club is, is over here. Yeah, you know, I've not played at all this season, really. Um, I need a fresh start. I need to, to play for a manager that, that is keen on me and is, is, is going to give me, you know, another chance playing regular football so yeah in my head I had it that I was leaving um, and then Danny Cowley came in and that all changed because um, obviously so, you came on at Wembley and had a great game in, in Kenny's last game in charge yeah and uh, I remember that well and um, obviously it was a, a disappointing result but I, I thought I had a, a good impact on the game and um, yeah that was his last game so it all changed then Danny Cowley came in I didn't start the first game but then started pretty much every game after that and was really enjoying football again felt like I was learning developing um, into like a, a sort of a, a modern midfielder that, that Danny Cowley wanted um, and I felt like with time you know I would, I would have kept learning and kept developing um, and it came to the end of the season and um, yeah a bit of uh, I, I then thought that the club would um, take my option up, which was another year. You're not the only player who, who went into that meeting thinking your option was going to be taken and, yeah. uh, and were basically let go. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I was offered a new contract. Um, but yeah, I thought my option would be taken up and, and, and I'd have another year at the club. But it didn't happen. I then had phone calls with my agent and, uh, and, and Richie Wellens, who was in charge of... Um, well, no one at the time. He was he was about to get a Doncaster job, but he showed interest in, in previous Jan um, and tried to sign me at Salford on loan. Um, so yeah, he he obviously showed that interest that that he wanted me in the team. Um, I really liked what he had to, to say about about the game. Spoke to players that played for him and just heard really good things. And in that moment, I, I decided that yeah, it was time to move on and. Um, and step out into into the world of football and and try something different. Um, was it tough to leave? You know, when you're from Portsmouth, it's your boyhood club. You've played. You, you, you've not really played anywhere else other than a couple of loan spells. Yeah, of course. There were there were. It was just like a real. There's like a, a a massive list in my head of pros and cons, and it was just trying to work out which which was worth it. So yeah, loads of um, things that I miss about playing for for Pompey. Um, but I felt like it was it was completely the right decision, and I ended up signing for 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 an excellent coach um, who's proven how good he is this year with, with Leighton Orient. It didn't quite work at Doncaster for one reason or another, um, and it's a shame because we only had two or three months, yeah, three, three or four months together, including pre-season. So it didn't quite work as I, I thought it would, but that's football. Um, I'm now at a place where I'm yeah, injury-free and, and playing for a, a very modern coach who who I think is excellent and I think is going to help me develop um, into a better player. You said it didn't work out. Obviously, the team was struggling and, and you missed much of the season injured. How You're in a new place, new team, they're struggling, you're, you're not, you know, you're out injured. How, how tough was that season? Yeah, it was, t- it was tough. It was awful. Um, the problem with the injury was like, we didn't really know how to, to treat it at first, so we spent good couple of months um, trying certain things and 
it just didn't work. I was never given a time frame, so it wasn't like you know you're going to be out for six months. This is what this is what we're going to do. It was just there was no clarity. Every day, every day I was going in and and um, not knowing where I stood and not knowing how long I'd be in the physio room for. So mentally, that was an incredibly tough time. And then obviously the the team never really got out of the relegation zone all all year. So that was that was hard knowing it was going to be a real dogfight and potentially relegation was on the cards. Um, but I think players have to go through these low moments in, in their careers. One, to really appreciate the high moments um, and two, to to build character. Um, and I certainly think that's happened. And was this a point where you start to think what you might do beyond football or is that still something you've you, you've tried to put to the back of your mind? No, the injury definitely has made me think that. And the, the, yeah, it's funny because it wasn't like a... A serious injury, really. It shouldn't have. It shouldn't have taken that long, and it's not. It wasn't like, like a broke someone with a broken leg where they can't move for a month or. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't um, like you know, it wasn't a ligament, it wasn't an ACL or or something as serious as that where you start to question your body. It was just like it was just mismanaged, and then um, the, the the sort of healing process just took a lot longer than it should. So it wasn't necessarily the injury itself. It was just having that time off football and. And thinking, you know, this could happen in, a, in another way or eventually, you know, you are going to be in a position where you're not playing football. So, yeah, that definitely opened my mind to um, to thinking about life after football. But hopefully that's not going to be for many years. Have you got in your mind a couple of plans of what, what sort of routes you might one day go down? Yeah, um, I've, I've always liked the thought of going into coaching and eventually being a manager. I think that's my first um, sort of protocol to... To, to, to try and if it's not for me I'll, I'll soon find out but um, certainly speaking to Kels a lot over the last nine ten months has, has just helped me think a different way and I've definitely sort of found a few things that I like the look of and, and you know I might um, investigate a little bit more At a certain point Chloe, you're saying we have been we've been doing this little pilot together and there's a few of us in, on board with the, the, a bit of an education programme has it? Do you think it's hindered you in any way? Has it changed your mindset about playing? Because this is an important thing. I don't. I'm just interested in. Has it hindered you in any other way? Because you've opened your mind up to other things. But have you found it? It's hindered on the pitch, or has it helped on the pitch? Is there any process within it that you found? Well, that that might not work alongside. No, not at all. It hasn't hindered it. Um, yeah, as footballers, we've got a lot of free time and. I'm guilty of it. You spend a lot of that free time doing nothing. Um, so I feel it's given me a bit of purpose, um, you know, actually thinking about life after football. But I, I don't, yeah, it's certainly not um, harms my my football life at all. It's certainly not made me feel about football a different way. Um, I think the injury, if, if anything, was has made me feel different about football. It's, you know, made me realise I took it for granted before the injury and, um I'm happy just being out there and training every day at the moment. So, um, yeah, the work we've done is it's it's very much separate to football. It feels like for me, I, I can I can really sort of separate my current my current work life to 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 planning for for life after football. And obviously, you'll be hoping quite possibly Doncaster this season to get back up that football football ladder. Yeah, that's our that's our main aim, and that's my main aim. That's that's number one on the list is to um, 
is to get promoted. Um, it's going to be incredibly tough. We're, we're in a pretty good position. There's, there's a long way to go. Um, but yeah, League Two is incredibly competitive. So um, a lot of experienced teams that have been promoted before at the top of the league at the moment. Um, so it's going to be hard to get into those automatic spots. But um, yeah, I think we've got a good set of lads and, and a good new manager. And um, I'm fully confident we can do that. So how's the how's the football in League Two? Have you found it much different? Is it is it does it change? That you know, have you found it? It's it's because you're obviously you're a technical footballer. We all know you love to get on the ball yeah. and be on the ball. Is it a bit of a challenge at times? Does the ball spend longer in the air? Do you think than maybe in League One? Yeah, um, I think I think League One split into two leagues. Really, I think the top half, uh, the majority of of, of them were are excellent teams and are full of excellent individuals and they can you know, get the ball down and and um, play some excellent football. I think the bottom half of League One's similar to League Two, very competitive, very direct, um, full of energy, first balls, second balls. Um, and yeah, if you're going to get promoted, you've got to combat that. You've got to be better at the teams at all that. And then on the flip side, um, try and hurt them with, with your football ability and, and late on are proving that that can happen because they're a very, very good footballing team. Um, they're obviously very um, competitive off the ball, but on the ball, um, yeah, I played against them about a month ago and, and they're technically they're very good. Um, and I believe we've got the, the capabilities to get to that level. Um, I think we've got some real good footballers and some real good um, players off the ball and, and um, yeah, we, just, we need to get a combination of, of both to get to get any success. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's similar to the bottom half of League One, where it's it's very competitive and direct, and um, you've got teams sort of scrapping for their lives. And this time, if you win promotion, you won't be forgotten when the uh, when the celebrations uh, take place. Yeah, I'd like to think I've um, I'd like to think I'll play a lot of games. Um, that's obviously a not a given, but that's that's my aim. That's my target is to, is to play every single game. So hopefully that happens, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can end the end the season in the top three. Ben, thank you so much for joining us on the Behind the Mask podcast, and thank you very much for you for tuning in. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast, listen to any of our other episodes. We this is our tenth one. Loads of great stuff. Just uh, search for Behind the Mask podcast, and you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much for tuning in.